This is the Growth and Greatness e-commerce podcast, powered by Right Hook Digital, with your hosts Scott Seward and Raymond Johnston. If you're an e-commerce brand founder, entrepreneur, or marketer looking to accelerate profitable growth for your business, then listen in, because this is the podcast for you. Welcome, episode two of the Growth and Greatness e-commerce podcast. We've made it back, Ray, and we have someone pretty special with us that we know quite well with us. Who we got? Very well. In fact, I think many of you may recognize this person as well, especially if uh, uh, pertaining to the episode we're going to talk about today. (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) for our listeners, you can't see the visual right now. Yeah, totally. Exactly. All right. Special for the viewers only. You might recognize the voice. So we've got my co-founder and our CEO at Right Hook Digital, Mr. D. Dang. Thank you for joining us, brother. Yeah, guys, like it's uh, super awesome to, to be able to jump on episode number two. Thanks for not making it an episode number one, <laughs> but I'll take two. <laughs> now I know we have a packed uh, conversation today and I know for the, we want to get into it, especially to help all of you that are listening to this, but I actually don't think many people know the, your background, how you got started, especially because it's going to really pertain to why you're so specialized to deal with this iOS 14 topic. Why don't you dive in, tell people your background, especially hire, um, hire Hive, Video D Media, founder of both of those companies. Uh, yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, specific, I mean, it sounds like we're going to spend almost all the time, uh, talking about the iOS 14, uh, impact and how we're going to respond and, and, um, all that fun stuff. Uh, essentially, uh, I knew nothing about business circa any, any day before 2013. And then I found this one book that my buddy recommended me. I was sitting at like a computer, like a camera rental company, just like dusting off lenses and, playing around with that type of stuff. Cause that's where I cut my teeth. Um, and then, uh, my buddy was like, Hey, have you heard of this four hour work week thing? I'm like, bull fucking shit Four hour work week, whatever. Like there's no such thing. Um, and then read that book and, uh, didn't really prescribe to the four hour thing, but prescribed to a lot of the, like the, a lot of the other stuff really resonated with me. And, you know, that started my, uh, whole journey on to, you know, rich dad, poor dad and e-myth and the typical books that you would hit first right uh and then while i was there my job at camera rentals was to rent cameras self-explanatory out to producers cameramen etc and remember 2013 2014 was when like the term share economy was like fucking everywhere share economy this and you know i still remember all those headlines like can you believe it you can live in a stranger's home who would do that Right, Airbnb, the people really tend to go Airbnb. So I was essentially every time we ran out of stock for rentals, I was just holding up two phones and putting them like this and being like, "All right, well, there's a cam, there's a guy with cameras, and there's a producer that needs it. We don't have any stock. All right, like you two just talk. I'll just hold the phones together." And I was doing that so much that I went, "Wait, there might be something here. Why don't I start a tech company?" Do nothing about business, know nothing about tech. Let's do that. Uh, and this was also when I guess tech startups here in uh, in Brisbane, Australia, where I live, what it, the, the word it was starting to get some activity, right? Government grants were coming in, et cetera. So I found an incubator, I pitched them, I got into a cohort, um, 
massively funded. They threw us like 20 Gs, uh, which evaporated immediately once you started to uh, get all of the compliance stuff in order that they needed you to get. So you pay a lawyer, you pay an accountant, you pay someone else and then it's gone. Um, but that's also where I started learning about uh, paid acquisition, uh, growth hacking, digital marketing, et cetera, uh, and started jumping into all the different forms. That's also where, because uh, I had a CTO that wasn't really high on the T part. Uh, so I had to teach myself how to be the T part, right? Um, got myself to the point where I could write Angular.js, which is just a, a different version of um, a different type of JavaScript. And now that's paying dividends here with the whole iOS piece and understanding web architecture, how that works, or at least being able to cling on to the conversations without going uh, as much as I don't understand to the nth degree how all that stuff works. Now, that's also where, you know, in the meantime, uh, to, to stay alive, because Higher Hive drove me pretty much uh, broke and in the truest sense of the word. Uh, I also, that's where I learned about like salesmanship, how to get really crafty um, and pretty much like through cold calling, like generate like 40 Gs in two weeks of new business and found a way to float my way through that. Um, went into uh, Neil Patel's internet marketing forum uh, and then found that fucker over there. And then pretty much 80 people later now we're here. It's crazy. Was that compressed? It's actually crazy. Was that long enough? Yeah. And, and the thing, like, between the three of us, the only way we know any of each other is through Facebook groups and communities. Pretty much. I mean, shit, we'd been, we'd been in business with Ray for, what, a year and a half before we even met in person? Like, the internet has done crazy things for business. It's, it's so interesting. Business Tinder, man. Which is the perfect segue anyway. because it's getting ready to change again, Scott. So, for example... You know, iOS 14, I think many people have heard the term. Some of people don't know what's going to really impact. And for those of you now that know Dee's background, he's been really specialized. And if anything, leading the charge with iOS 14, um, becoming, if anything, the thought leader in the space on the impacts it's going to have not only on e-com brands, agencies, really just internet in general for the next couple of years. So for those of you who don't know, iOS 14 Apple is forcing a change, a prompt. All users from now on have to opt in for tracking for all apps on the iPhone app store. So with that being said, D, why don't you kind of jump in? You're the thought leader on this place. Like, can you give some explanation? Like iOS 14, what are the implications? Like, what have you found so far that's going to impact e-com brands? And then how do we navigate this? For sure. Um, and I think but before that, the main caveat uh, here being... Uh, I, I mean, you're being super generous about this, but I don't know if, if, uh, if I, I, can, I would consider myself a thought leader as much as uh, more recently in the past, like, uh, by the way, thank you, Apple, for dropping it on December, uh, mid-December, and then thank you, Facebook, for dropping it December 16, like, worst Christmas present ever. But since then, up until now... Yeah, yeah. while, while, uh, while, while you were diving into this, I, I, I just went camping for the week and... Took a fucking yeah, break. <laughs> exactly. I was digitally camping on all, like, you know, a whole bunch of different websites. Um, and very luckily, most recently, got to talk to some machine learning experts as well. So I, I don't know if thought leader is the right term as opposed to like almost like a self appointed journalist. Like, you know, that type of investigative thinking to go, okay, well, who are the right people to talk to so I can gather all the information and report it accordingly? Like, uh, I've used Twitter to report on this. 
uh, or Twitter in general more in the past three weeks than I have in my entire subscription of being a Twitter user, right? Um, and I've been a Twitter user since like 2014 or something like that. Uh, and essentially, I think the first thing that doesn't be AT, uh, iOS 14 is a really easy headline, but more specifically, it is ATT with an iOS 14. Uh, I've been in a few clubhouse rooms where people are like, what do you mean? We're already on iOS 14. It's like, yes, but iOS 14.x and very likely going to be 14.4, keeping in mind that we are already in 14.3 and uh, beta for 14.4 is getting deployed, um, is already deployed. So uh, essentially it's an ATT prompt. People are going to have to opt in and the, the main piece on Apple side is called PCM, private click measurement. Uh, and if you go to WebKit and read, by the way, this isn't new information. Facebook, Apple's been talking about this, especially on the Safari side for like years now, right? I think the article on, um, the article on WebKit dates back to 2018, if not 17. Uh, and it's all about restricting, aggregating and delaying data and also restricting overall restricting the ability for anyone on the internet to track a user down to this action was taken X milliseconds ago, spent this much money and then be able to follow that person around, right? Which is a very, very makes sense for with that type of move with Apple to say our hardware keeps you, keeps, keeps all these big evils away. So come love our hardware. And that's what we stand for as a company. Um, quick, do you, and so in, in yeah, Real quick, are you seeing that this has been not only in the works for a while now, but would you even go as far as to say that, that Facebook knew this was coming way before they let other users know about it? I would say that Facebook has been working on it with a certain timeline in mind, right? It's not like Facebook's been obscuring information or anything of that nature, but, you know, understanding, look, I mean, look at Facebook in the past. A uh, few years, their entire mandate they were marching towards. What they were marching towards was uh, may every man, woman, and child on this great planet be able to click two buttons and spend money on Facebook ad like advertising, right? Power five oversimplification um, algorithm. Upload your creative. May every man, woman, and child spend a dollar on Facebook because that's 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 the golden standard, right? If if you have an advertising platform that can be so simple and drive your business results or drive your personal brand results or turn you into an influencer, like, uh, like, um, like my, like the, I forget what, what, um, what Pixar movie it was, Chessmate, right? Like it's, you're, you're there. Now this, and then Apple just went, I'm, I'm gonna pull the handbrakes, right? So they accelerated the timeline of the inevitability. So it's a bit like climate change, You've got all these people saying, oh, you know, it only hit when I die or it's, it's 30, 50 something years away. And, and uh, Jehovah Apple Cook says, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna accelerate that. Let's make sea levels rise tomorrow. And then everyone starts to escalate, right? All the recycling and all that stuff. It's like, I can't work on that stuff anymore. I need to move to a completely different plan. So this is exactly what's happening right now. So. How serious is this? And uh, we can elaborate like how, like how this has impacted our approach internally and what we've been doing, the amount of time and thought we've been putting into this collectively, even to the point, you know, I wouldn't say pivot, but it's definitely changed what 
2021 looks like in terms of where our focus has been, services, what we're doing strategically, like how, how much of an impact and how important is this? And, you know, for the people that are in a state of blissful ignorance, and I still think that there's a lot of people out there, what should they be doing and, and how serious should they be taking this? Um, first of all, God bless you. Ignorance really is bliss. Uh, all this stuff on here used to be long hair as well. Uh, but now it's slowly coming hey, up this way. Soon it's least, just going to be least one line. Still got, you don't have this color coming through. <laughs> hey, you're, you're good. Right. Totally. Totally. Um, the, I think we, I need to answer that in two, two pieces of context, right? I think at, at an industry level and then at a, what we've been doing level, cause we've been kind of lucky, right? Like shit, because of COVID last year, we started like that really challenged our thinking and got us to start putting down groundwork around, you know, what can we be the best in the world at? What services do we need to be rendering now and into the future? What do we need to start putting in place almost like yesterday, last year? And now we're, you know, very luckily, we, we've already started making moves. So thank God for that. Um, but then from a seriousness standpoint, for the blissfully ignorant, it's as serious as climate change, depending on where you live. Here's what I mean. If you live in um, a cozy part of New Zealand where, you know, it might get a bit colder or warmer in the summertime or wintertime, it's that kind of serious. If you happen to live in rural Australia circa end of year 2019, it's fucking serious. So, you know, that type of magnitude, but regardless, it's coming depending on where you live, it's coming, right? So if you're all in Facebook uh, and only Facebook and you've been disregarding email messenger, any of that stuff besides the, you know, the, the typical put a pop-up $10 off for any new users. And then you email them once and then that's it. You likely live in rural Australia where, you know, um, the shrubbery is really, really dry. Uh, if you have already been thinking about what, you know, respecting the, how creative, how important creative is, um, having some type of data collection besides just in platform type stuff. And you have, an MER type, you know, uh, thinking it's, you're so much more protected, right? You, you live more in the New Zealand side of things where you're not living by the beach and the sea can just like wash your house away. You're not living far away from water, that type of stuff. So that, that's a close analogy I can give, uh, but it's serious enough for us to, I mean, shit, like look at us for the past like two, three weeks and all the work that we've had to put in just to one wrapper heads around it technically and then understand the second, third order consequences that may come out of it and play chessboard to go, well, in this scenario, what does that look like, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but for those that are heavily reliant on that Shopify, Facebook only kind of pairing, I think for those, for those folks, hella serious. Yeah, I think coming back to the COVID thing last year, right? It was, there's so many unknowns. We don't know what's going to happen. It's just a plan for the worst, hope for the best situation. I think it's taking that approach here as well. Like for the brands that are relying on Facebook for front end profit, can they sustain a 30% deterioration in performance? Is their business sustainable or do they need to shift their focus and look at other channels, focus more? How, how are you going to offset that loss of performance on the front end and make up for it post-click? Optimizing landing pages, retention, email, SMS, building communities, building groups, assets you own. 
Like there's just going to have to be such a massive strategic shift from, I think the, the companies that are like in the middle of the pact and it's more smaller scale that don't already have those assets. Some of the bigger brands, you know, they've, they've got big lists. They're going to be able to have, you know, they've got big organic followings. So they've probably got a bit more flexibility in, in what they can do and how they're going to be impacted. But especially for the smaller players, I, I see worst case, it could get very ugly. I think absolutely right. There's a lot of, and D kind of hit up on this. Like it's, it's not all doom and gloom, but it's really, it's, if anything, it's heightening what you should have been doing all along, building the back end, building a community, all the people who focus on building the brand, the community and building something that's more than just, excuse me, drop shipping. I think if anything, all those pieces that have been overlooked for so long becomes more important. So it's not things that, that is new, but you should have been doing it all along to build a standout world-class brand. For sure, or, or, or at least a very bare minimum applying a, uh, applying a different type of thinking as opposed to, as opposed to product-centric, first-touch, impulse, very low-margin, slam-prospecting like crazy type of setup. Right. And then, you know, naturally that implies the fact that it's drop shipped and lower quality, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's not as if you, it, it's not, it's not to say that if you don't have a world-class brand, it's going to all fall to shit. That's absolutely not uh, where we're going with this. But if you don't have uh, that type of metric thing that again, the MER kind of thinking to go, I have this media mix that I have to leverage and I have to my ability, I can balance my books accordingly that way. I understand that there is a, a repeat purchase factor to how I interact with my customers and how my customers interact with me that alleviates pressure to keep prospecting like crazy all the time and be like hyper profitable on that first absolute touch um, because my product is, just isn't that type of product or my brand isn't that type of brand then you have a really well-rounded out thinking to be able to navigate uh, the upcoming waters, right? Um, it's, it's like having a ship that's a bit more robust going in the choppy waters than your dinky little thing that you blew like, you know, with your mouth and inflated. And now you're just up shit creek with like half an oar. It's, I think it's, it's so important that you, you, you as you said, you're referring to the MER, so your marketing efficiency ratio and, and looking at a, a higher level now, because especially for a brand that might have a higher average order value or a longer buying cycle, trying to make decisions based off what Facebook's telling you in platform now is just going to be, you, you're just going to get lost in the trees trying to figure out, is this performing? Is this not performing? So I guess to segue a little bit there and, and move things along, where are we at right now and what has happened? We're recording this, what, 22nd of, of January in Australia, 21st in the US. Some changes have happened in the last 48 hours. So what's, what's happened there and, and like what, what shifts are going to have to be made immediately in terms of how we're looking at metrics and making decisions? Ooh, Ray, I know, you, I know you got feelings about that. Yeah, so I think... You want to take that one? <laughs> We mentioned MER, so that's the marketing efficiency ratio. So you can go by different terms. If you've ever done Amazon advertising, ACOS is another one. But essentially, it's total sales divided by total advertising costs, and it's a ratio. So for a lot of you guys, 
you're probably used to focusing on one platform, the ROAS of that platform or the revenue of that platform. But because of the implications that D mentioned of that um, ATT, as ATT, right, D, that, that's bringing to um, you know, advertising is it means that you're not always going to have the most reliant data because Facebook's going to start aggregating the data. And so, and that data also is not going to be instantaneous. So what that means is as a business, you have to be able to zoom out and then zoom in. So zoom out, look at the total MER, how my, that's my total profitability or total revenue in relation to advertising costs. And then zoom in, just use that platform's ROAS to help make decisions. So um, for example, internally, we actually a statistics test that proved that MER is actually a more efficient and highly correlated metric to use that to actually makes up the change in actual Shopify sales than Facebook revenue or Facebook ROAS. So that's kind of how we're thinking about it, how we're looking at it, because now it's not going to be so black and white anymore. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, as a, and, and as a business owner as well, or as like a high level head of marketing, VP of marketing, CMO type thing, you want to get, you want to be able to get back to making business decisions at the higher level, as opposed to staring in the platform and, and fritzing out because you're hitting refresh every, you know, like 15, 30, 45 minutes. Uh, so in a way, this is training people to get their head straight too, to go, I need to, and you know, Jim Collins would be so proud of you, right? To be able to zoom out, zoom in, uh, accordingly, and then make decisions at the business level and then let the tacticians do what they need to do at the tactical level, right? At the platform. So we, we've been kind of dancing around solutions. I think we understand MER, how we have to make decisions, but D, you've really had your head deep in this. Like, where do you think longer term, six months, a year, where do you think right now in your current state, the solutions are going to be for reporting or attribution, if that's possible? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, for anyone that's watched the webinar, you already uh, did already kind of get the key headline or points, right? Where uh, AEM affects anything that sits under the AEM umbrella uh, or the whole topic of, of opted out individuals comes down to the restriction of data, aggregation and delaying of that data. Um, and it impacts optimization, tracking, measurement from a from a reporting visualization look at number standpoint and then reporting from an attribution and attributing a sale type standpoint uh and then you have all your your event restrictions as well uh at with the eight that you're stuck with and then also for opted out users with the one that gets cascaded down um based on the stack rank so if and if you look at all of the facebook docs so far and you, you listen between the lines with all of the uh, in and amongst the, we didn't agree with Apple. Don't agree with Apple for 15 minutes. Once you listen, once you hear past all of that and you actually listen to what's being said. And I went so far as to like roam, put into my roam, what was being said outside of what was on the deck. They're hanging a lot of hopes on Cappy, on Convergence API. They're putting a lot of emphasis there they're putting a lot of emphasis on offline conversions as well. So, so what does that point me to? The only way you can talk to, as a, as a site owner, you can talk to Cappy uh, is pretty much on the server side, right? Which maps really nicely to what everyone's talking about with third-party cookies starting to crumble away and privacy sandbox at Google side, um, Chrome deprecating 
uh, third-party cookies by 2022 and, and all that stuff that's happening. I actually got to be in a clubhouse room with a Googler uh, internal, uh, I forget which department she works in, but she was like, yeah, you know, we've got more information coming out on the privacy sandbox side. So like I said, it's not going away. This climate change thing, it's not going away, it's coming, right? Um, so, so essentially, first party, check. Cappy, yes. Uh, and then what's the conventional web that's getting slung around right now? Uh, easiest thing to do is go into Shopify and just natively integrate uh, your, your, um, your, 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 your Cappy with Shopify. Mm -hmm. Issue there is that native integration only parses through purchase events. In other words, initiate checkout, add to cart, product view, da 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 da. No, right? Email sign up that doesn't get parsed through with that native integration. So where my head's been going, what I've been trying to understand is, and it goes a lot deeper and I'm trying to fight off and resist getting too technical with the other restrictions, but there are a ton more. Um, but essentially the, uh, the, the alternative to the native integration, at the end of the day, what you need is to move towards first party data ownership and, and data management. Now, this is a brand new world for a lot of players because now you're starting to get into the world of consent management, of data warehousing, of owning data, which opens up a whole bunch of other legal vulnerabilities that you didn't have to shore up against and shore up and be you know, protected against as well. Hey, uh, but once you first have, party yeah. cookies, first, first party cookies and a ninth graders point of view, how would you explain that? Yeah, let, let's let's pass the let's pass the uh, explain uh, like. Let's 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 uh, let's explain this to grandma and make and help her understand, right? Um, so much, let's make sure it passes the grandma test. Uh, my website is uh, my office, right, right here, and I've got two vending machines. One vending machine on the side says Coca Cola, right, and my my team members can go in there, pop some coins in, and they can get a drink. Now that money, the data, doesn't come to me goes to coca-cola even though it lives in my office right uh, in, in this in this situation right yeah. in this situation um that's a third-party cookie so so in other words someone that works at facebook who i don't employ stands there in the corner of my office and every time i do something he's like hey facebook you did this hey facebook you did that right i don't get but but i still get to go back to facebook and be like hey what did that guy tell you let me use that data. But now Apple is saying for iOS for, uh, for opted out users, it's like, I'm giving you an eye patch. You can only see half the shit now, right? And it's there. Meanwhile, if I install um, Bob, the server, right? And he stands next to Mr. Facebook, Mr. Google, Ms. Uh, Tag, Ms. Um, Analytics, and he goes, hey, every time, every time a Facebook person says something, I wanna listen, I'm gonna write it down. I'm gonna send, I'm gonna give it to D on his desk. Now I have that stuff and it's mine, right? That gets transcribed over, first party me, right? Now I can be like, yo, Scott, I just got this report, here you go. Yo, Ray, leadership meeting, here you go. By the way, this is ours, no NDA, no nothing. It's ours to use however we want. That's third party, that's first party. Wow, so right? anything, it gives you way more control if you can do the setup. But also gives you way more vulnerability because you now have to tell, there's a technical, legal, and ethical component to data ownership, right? GDPR, CCPA, 
all this other piece. And then there's an ethical piece around this because there's a lot of grace in this area. With any new area, there's a lot of grace. Um, so how you manage the consent, the consent management piece is gonna come into play as well here uh, or not manage, but then, you know, uh, entering your own risk kind of situation, right? So hopefully that's probably gonna be another outside. area that gets more regulated as we get down the track, right? <laughs> like exactly. once this it's becomes coming. a solution, they're gonna start enforcing that. So do you wanna be prepared ahead of time and do it properly but to start with? But here's the catch. This is why there's a legal component to this. Here's the catch. Apple is not a governmental body. They are a commercial organization imposing this on other commercial organizations. So who really polices this in this world of us talking to Facebook, Facebook talking to us, first party, da, 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 very, 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 very great. So that's what I was trying to say before around the first party piece. And then that's why Facebook, and this brings us all the way around, why Facebook is going Conversions API guys, hmm. offline conversions API guys, add insights API guys, because there you have something that is uh, a, a pass through for that, that Facebook can say, yo, the website owner owns that data, first party for them, none of this, none of this pixel pixel type stuff. What can we do with this stuff? Right? So that's that's why I've been head down so much on that side. Now there are a whole bunch of other benefits to server to server uh, as a custom implementation. As an example, uh, if you don't want to have a delayed aggregated and all that type of reporting, you can still be able to server to server, vacuum cleaner, pull that up and have that information from Bob's server come to me in milliseconds and then go up on a dashboard internally through APIs in, in milliseconds, right? Because from the ad click to the website, that transaction to my understanding isn't getting hindered. It's the parse back through to all the different destinations that gets hindered. And that's where it gets aggregated, uh, restricted and delayed. But between ad click and, and website, that transaction, you can still vacuum cleaner up whatever you need and then look at it within that time and make decisions accordingly. Now that comes down to what, whether you use third-party tools, build internal custom tools, whatever that might look like, might, might look like to data visualize uh, and make decisions, but you have that piece. The other piece is cookies as well. So even if you have a first-party cookie uh, and you can go to cookiestatus.com to see this, even if you have a first-party cookie, if it's a C name cloaked cookie, cross-site origin, then it still expires in seven days. However, if it's uh, mapped to, if the website is deaddresses.com and the subdomain where the server-side container lives is analytics.deaddresses.com, that is not cross-site origin, that is same-site origin. And so you can start to have a bit of maneuverability with cookie expiry as well, which is super cool to, to know and wrap my head around and understand uh, and for those listening that this is like, this is fucking gobbledygook nonsense. I don't understand what's happening right now. Remember WCA 180 days, right? Remember that WCA 180 days. That's because you can WCA 180 days because that is the extended length of that cookie. Now it's more like WCA 70, right? Unless you have these certain types of implementations. Which is, which is what happened what, two days ago now? So within Facebook, 
they shifted from 20 default attribution window of 28 day, one day click to seven day. So what, what, like what impact has that had immediate? Cause it's caused headaches from a, a reporting standpoint for us and for, for clients. But Ray, and Ray, you're probably in a good position to answer this. Like, what have we been doing to, to, to try and work around that and shift our expectations in terms of what's being reported in Facebook and the impact from that, that attribution? Yeah. Challenge? So for all of you e-com brands, if, and you know, if you haven't already, it's going to be a little tricky, but you need to go back and look historically what has been your attribution. So you can find attribution by going to your Facebook ads platform, go to columns, go to attribution at the bottom. You can see the different 28 day, seven day and one day click and the view attributions you need to. So what we've been doing is for every e-com brand is first we identify like what has been the historical 28 day click attribution. And then because we knew seven day click was happening, we first, then we went and did, okay, what's the seven day click attribution and what's that percentage change? Because what that means is if you're running advertising on any platform, regardless of Facebook or whatever that is, you need to know what that relationship is because it's going to change not only what is a, what KPI is realistic now, because you have less data that's taking credit um, in the ads. But then also what that means as well is you have to shift like how, how you think about like how, how, how much you spend, how much you acquire a customer, for example. So that's where it's also this heavily ties into MER, Scott, which you should take that in a second is, is once you understand what that attribution difference is, then, then you have probably a more realistic um, expectation benchmark that you can live off of going forward. Because also there's the unknowns, which there's a lot of and disinformation out there as well, but on big unknowns, like what's going to happen when people start opting out, but you need that benchmark. So for all of our brands, we had to get that benchmark first, but then still that doesn't fix how you scale. Then you have to start focusing on MER, which is, you know, what we've been preaching and really looking into. And, and honestly, just um, we've been shifting this way for a few months already. Well, and the, the like the flow in here is the, the second part of what is going to happen is the performance side. And this is where the unknowns start coming into it, right? Because we don't know what the impact is going to be on the performance side. It's one, one thing to look at seven day versus 28 day and say, okay, we can expect a 15% reduction in attribution within Facebook. We can allow for that. And then we can zoom out and just reset our expectations around the performance within the platform. But what's coming down the road is just, we, we don't know. We don't know how many people are going to not opt in to being tracked, which let's just say hypothetically, that could be as high as 75, 80%. That's 75 or 80% less data getting fed back to Facebook. What impact is that going to have on Facebook? How well is their statistical modeling going to work? What is the deterioration in performance from Facebook's algorithm going to do and, and, and impact performance overall? So this is where it starts getting into to the unknown area of what the future of Facebook looks like for like the next six to 12 months, right? And I think here's the part, uh, here's the part disambiguate as well, right? Uh, when Scott says we, he means we as the human fucking race does not know. Like nobody knows, not Scott, Ray and D and anyone right hook doesn't know. Nobody knows, uh, and not even Tim Cook. Because the Facebook has that, communicated yet. that directly, right? Like, yeah, they're just saying we don't and there's know. A further, there's a further piece, and there's a further piece to this, Scott, which you mentioned on, on one of our like, calls, right? Like, it's not going to be a single day event. So it's not like we're going to get clear within one day. Okay, fine, guys. It all happened in one day. Now we know out of the entire world of iPhone users, uh, 50% opted out. Phew, we can make decisions accordingly. It's like 
how many people are going to update their phones across how long, how many people are going to opt in, opt out based on the people that updated their phones, how long. So there's this curve that that's, that's happening. And or, it's, or your uh, other point is, are people going to opt back in when they realize their user experience starts to suck? <laughs> I'm getting right, my right. news when, phase when are good now. Ads. Why? Yeah, or they start seeing ads for like a retirement home when they're 22 uh, and, and, you know, things of that nature. So there are a lot of unknowns here, uh, and, and which is why, you know, we've been focused so much on, on understanding what lives within our, our sphere of control versus what lives outside of that. Um, you can't control the waves. You can control what, how you build your boat and you can control how you steer your boat, but you can't control the waves nor the clouds, right? And, and right now we've got, uh, we've got almost like, you know, um, the, the war of the Titans happening in the skies between Apple and Facebook. And all of us boats are at the bottom, just looking up at the clouds being like, please just don't let a thunder, like a lightning strike hit my boat or like anywhere close, man. And you know, so everyone's looking up being like, what's, what's gonna happen and who's happening next? It's almost like watching a Godzilla movie and just this you know, punch that takes forever because they're giant um, happen and guessing who's gonna win. Um, but it, it, I think it's what, what's, what's really important here to note also is the fact that there is some reprieve outside of all of this uh, stuff that Facebook's been putting out really publicly, there's a lot of stuff that Facebook isn't putting out publicly, first of all, that uh, I'm, you know, everyone's awaiting in bated breath. But I think the other part also is the depth of how much Facebook knows about their users from a cross-referencing, cross-tracking standpoint is, goes a lot deeper than what us in the public know, right? So there, there are a lot of other data points that I believe that can be there as well. And then keep in mind that from a data vacuum cleaner analogy standpoint, ATT has not dropped and users have not dropped out. So I'll bet you that, that I don't know how many of you guys own a Dyson, but that vacuum cleaner right now is on like max suction mode not regular mode. And it's just like as much recency as possible, preserve that because you can feed the algorithm with that data accordingly on those users. So it's not, again, not going to be a cliff, but just preparing for it. So even if it still waters, we know that we've got a boat that can survive, a, you know, like a 20 meter wave if it gets to that. And really think, I guess we're really putting our faith in really their business model. Their business model is data to advertise. And obviously they've been number one, the number one dog that for this many years already. And I just hearing you D like if anything gives me faith in how much data they actually have mined on people that we don't know about. Trust one thing and trust that Facebook has more on you than you expect. And they've got access to other data points, right? Like they're still getting data fed back from credit card sources and, and that's so I, I still think there's going to be that type of external third party data being fed back, which is going to impact things. And we just don't know, again, going back to the timeline of events, how much, is, let's just say that this, you know, is a bit of a frog in the boiling pot situation and it's like a 12 month deterioration of things but how much can facebook learn and improve within that 12 months to offset that as well so there's so many different things going on here that are gonna impact that it's just no one no one can forecast but again let's just let's touch on that then like how can we best prepare strategically where does that need to shift to 
to, to make sure that, you know, we're prepared for the worst case outcome and you're not in a situation where you're reliant on Facebook or, you know, whatever other app. It's not just Facebook that's going to be impacted by this. It's going to be most traffic sources. Um, what, what, what needs to shift here to essentially build a more robust business for yourself going forward? Well, you kind of mentioned earlier, and I think this is where what we're doing internally, which, you know, based off these research, we kind of made the internal decision that back end has to be almost king for 2021. And, and the data that you do have for your brands, maximizing it, getting more of it, because like, if, any, if anything, 2020 has taught us, especially now here in January, 2021, it's that like, you need to own your own data, what D said, like, with that um, first party setting up your own first party tracking and cookies, but especially like your own like list, list has to be number one in community building. Like that's got to be the thing for 2021. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, for sure. And it's a, it, it, for the past, however many long, the dance was, the takes two to tango was like Shopify, Facebook. Those were the two that it took to tango. Realistically speaking, now that it takes two to tango is front-end acquisition and then back-end retention. And those two need to tango to be able to make the dance work. Otherwise, you're just dancing alone and looking like an idiot. Uh, and, and that without getting, even if you don't have the technical implementations in place, that will see you through, right? Understanding how to acquire uh, new customers understanding how to grow your brand, uh, the awareness of your brand, the goodwill placed in your brand uh, and new customers coming to your brand. And then on the other side is how you, you are able to get those customers into your own ecosystem and start to so own channels, right? Uh, you know, the, old, the whole like owned media, earned media, paid media, that conversation is gonna come back a lot into this mix as well. Uh, and influencers, I think influencers is like anyone that owns a, an influencer platform like a SaaS play are probably looking at this and going, this is an angle for sure, right? We're, we're gonna come in there and we're gonna, start, um, we're gonna start going heavy on this because now influencers become, especially if you, if you apply a performance influencer marketing type thing to this, it's like performance TV almost. You pick your TV program or your face that speaks to this specific audience and because it's digital, you can then be, you know, you're able to tie back the campaign down to how many sales came out of that campaign or what engagements, uh, for, if you're looking at it from a performance branding standpoint, right, of not only goodwill in your brand, but then also how many dollars got put into your pocket uh, from a more direct response standpoint. So again, it takes that zooming out of like, okay, well, where does the branding side of things sit in here too? not just DR slam, slam, slam um, from a, from a, like a level of thinking perspective, brand building standpoint and business building standpoint. Totally. I think the last one too is diversification, like high search intent platforms. This may be the year that good old Google comes back raging, right? Bing, um, eBay. Shop, shopping's so underrated anyway. It is. It really so is. underrated. It's, it's, it's the shit. Let's okay. So we we got to dial it down, right? Uh, D's on a, on a bit of a, a timeline here, but I want to ask one more thing, just to put a hat, a different hat on. D, you're a a, a brand owner, e-commerce entrepreneur right now. You've got an internal marketing team or a CMO, or you might be using an agency for 
know, for your whole marketing strategy. If you're a little bit out of the loop of what's happening or don't understand it, what should you be asking right now to make sure that your team knows what's going on and is prepared and, and what, what you need to be doing from here? I think the right first question to be asking at that decision level, decision maker level is um, to speak to someone or at least do the research to understand, again, what sits within the sphere of, sphere of control and what sits outside of that. So understand where the certainty and uncertainty lies down to a bullet point list, right? If you need to wrap your head around that, my Twitter, again, I've been like appointing myself as investigative journalist for my own version of 60 Minutes uh, on this. So just go to my Twitter feed at Real Dose of D and you can get yourself up to speed accordingly. Uh, but the questions to ask, the, the key focus areas are, what can the APIs do for me? What can server to server do for me? What can it not do for me? So in other words, where are the, 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 the um, when I take this pill, what, where, what, what pains does it fix? What pain does it not fix? Because the, the thing that I worry about is people think server to server, all my problems are going to go away, right? Which is definitely not the case. So you need to be able to segment all of the issues into, let's look at optimization. Let's look at tracking. Let's look at measurement by way of reporting and attribution. Um, and let's look at the whole restriction, aggregation, and delay. So I had to go through the exercise of breaking down all of these things into different thinking pockets first to really wrap my head around the issue because a lot of them are very overlapping and blended because of one app platform. So I, you know, my brain wasn't able to do that. Once you identify those, then go into server to server, look into APIs, uh, and then that absolutely think about from a strategic standpoint, what are the different angles, plays, perspectives? And then the other part is looking at it from, and if you're a CMO or, a, or, a, um, or you're running a house of brands or anything of that nature, you should be looking at MER anyway, by that point. Like I, I'll be preaching to the choir you know, at, at that level. Uh, and for those listening that aren't thinking about MER, um, again, it's, I, got, I have two recommendations for you. Go to Google, type in MER, marketing efficiency ratio or marketing efficiency rate. You can get yourself schooled on that way of thinking. And it really is a way of thinking rather than like a, only just a way of measuring. And the other part is if you want to learn about media mixed modeling or marketing mixed modeling, uh, MMM, uh, there's this really cool tool, vexpower.com, vexpower.com. I'm, I'm not affiliated to any of these things, by the way. Um, Vex power is free for the most part anyway. And you can learn about how to actually calculate media mix model. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Let's, let's wrap it up. We've got to run. We're going to have probably an ongoing series with this as, as things come to awareness and changes happen real time. Like this is going to be something that's going to be a huge topic for, I think the whole year. It's, it's just going to be ongoing. So we'll, we'll keep this going in, in a few different conversations. Um, Dee, where's the best place to, to follow you? Keep up to date with what's going on uh, outside of this podcast. Uh, so the podcast, naturally, you know, our, our, um, our Red Hook page, we try to put as much stuff there as possible. Uh, the most real-time stuff that I'm putting up is my Twitter, at uh, Real Dose of D. Um, if for anyone here that happens to own an iPhone, haha. Uh, that, that has a clubhouse invite. Uh, I spin up rooms every once in a while and just like jam with very smart people around um, the iOS 14 thing. Clubhouse was the, um, the platform that allowed me to interface with the people, you know, the, the ML experts from Stanford and 
a lot of attribution experts. So I just spin up the rooms. Uh, I'm kind of known as the guy that won't stop talking about Cobios 14 and won't stop trying to make that a trending hashtag. <laughs> so every time I spin up a room, people kind of know what to expect. It's catchy. Uh, yeah, and it's catching on too. So that's that's kind of dope. Uh, but guys, like this was super fun, man. Right, awesome. Thank you. All right. Thank you all. We will be back next week. Appreciate it. And get prepared. This is this is going to change the, the industry in a big way. So make sure you are up to date. Thank you, guys. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, comment, share, uh, hit the bell button, all that good stuff. Like, comment, share, follow, subscribe. Subscribe, subscribe. All right. You got it. What D said. See you guys. Thanks again for tuning into this episode of the Growth and Greatness e-commerce podcast. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And if you did, we'd love for you to leave us a review on your platform of choice and help us reach as many people as we can. Now, if you're a brand founder, an e-commerce entrepreneur, or an in-house marketing manager looking to accelerate your growth this year, reach out to us at Right Hook Digital. We're a performance branding agency, and we specialize in partnering with e-commerce brands to help them hit their growth goals with maximum ROI. Now, if this sounds like a solution that you need, then check us out at righthookdigital.com and schedule a call with our client partnerships team. They'd love to have a chat with you and see how we can help you grow in 2021.